Welcome to I Am, I Have, brought to you by Happiful Magazine and Counselling Directory. Claire Richards, the very talented singer, presenter, crafter and member of Steps, is our guest today and we couldn't be happier. Claire shared her thoughts on self-doubt, personal confidence, celebrating 25 years of Steps and so much more. She was an absolute joy to chat with and I can't wait for you to listen. So I hope you enjoy this episode of I Am, I Have. And if you'd like more mental health and wellbeing content, check out Happiful's YouTube channel and visit happiful.com forward slash I Am, I Have. We are over the moon that today's guest on I Am, I Have is none other than the uber-talented singer, presenter, crafter, and member of the brilliant five-piece band, Steps. It's Claire Richards. Welcome, Claire. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. This is such a treat for us, and it's lovely to see you today. Now, before we launch into everything 25 years and your I Ams and I Haves, Can you tell us a bit about you and what you think our listeners should know about you? Oh, goodness me. Do you know what? There probably isn't much that people don't know about me. I feel like I'm quite an open book, so I've probably told everybody everything. The one thing I would say maybe people don't know is that I doubt myself an awful lot. I'm always second guessing my decision making and stuff. So I don't know if... I I think I come across as quite, not necessarily confident, but like I know what I'm talking about all the time, but I think I'm faking it most of the time. I mean, that must be tough for you, but I have to say it's reassuring as well. It's reassuring to know that we all have those kind of moments of of self-doubt and we will go on to talk about the way that we talk to ourselves later on. But we're going to go straight into your first I am, which is I am trying my best. Tell us about trying your best, Claire. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself most of the time to kind of be the best I can be at all times, which is difficult a lot of the time. I don't always succeed, but I do I do feel like I always put my best into everything. And if I don't feel like I can, then I probably won't do it at all. So kind of one extreme or the other, it's kind of all or nothing, I suppose. I know my best is is good enough most of the time I think it might not be perfect and it might not be the right way but it's my way and I think sometimes you've just got to accept the fact that that is good enough absolutely and good enough is something I think we all struggle with sometimes and talking about doing your best you know you've been in the public eye for a long time now so Steps is celebrating 25 years this year as a band and you've been visible in front of people for 25 years as well as doing different presenting and other programs so is that hard doing your best in the public eye is it something you've got used to has it changed are you more at ease with it now it has changed because I think the pressure when you're young, especially to keep up appearances, I guess, to everybody else, because you're constantly being judged whether you want to be or not and whether you like it or not. You are. And even if people don't realise they're doing it, you're when you're doing the kind of job that I do or we do, you are being judged constantly by everybody, whether it's other people in the industry or whether it's the public or whether it's people that are fans who are not fans. There's always something that, you know, everyone's got an opinion all the time and taking on other people's opinions sometimes can be quite hard. Years ago, that bothered me a lot and it really did affect me. But as I've gotten older, 
certainly since turning 40, I think it's my outlook on what I take on board and what I don't is very different. I kind of, I don't care as much. And I also, and I'm also more likely to say, well, actually, that's not right. That's not true. You might think I'm this, but I know I'm not that. So it definitely has changed. I, I mean, I still put pressure on myself and, you know, there are odd things that will come through and I take massive offence to. And <laughs> I tried to steer clear of the comments these days, but, you know, it's the dreaded comments that always seem to get you, whether it depends what kind of mood I'm in. But yeah, it definitely has changed. That's great to know. And you said something there about since turning 40. And I remember my mum always saying to me, when you turn 40, there's something that happens where you just start to distance yourself from caring as much and, and listening to your own voice a bit. And I've certainly found that since since turning 40, a real, a real switch in being able to perhaps appraise things a bit differently. And, you know, someone once said, you should say to people, if you've got a problem with me, call me. And if you don't have my number to call me, I don't care what you have to say. And I, I wondered if that rang true for you. Yeah, somebody did say to me once that other people's opinion of you is none of your business. I have taken that on board a little bit, but I think, I don't know what it is when I turned 40. I think I felt like I'd really earned my place rather than, you know, still trying to be approved by everybody and still kind of try to get to that. I felt like, right, I've made it to 40 years old. I've got my kids, I've got my husband, I'm happy. I've got a good career. You know, I've got nothing to apologize for anymore. And I think that's what I did quite a lot was apologize for either what I had or what I was trying to do or the way I looked, whether it be positive or negative. I think that's the one thing I've stopped doing as much, I think, is looking for approval from people that don't really matter. I mean, I always will look for that with the people around me and the people that do. But as for somebody I've never met in the outskirts of somewhere that I've never been who cares because nine times out of ten especially these days it's just being mean for the sake of being mean and I just don't understand that at all I really don't if someone is not prepared to say it to my actual face then and I'm pretty sure that most of the people that do right things they would never they bumped into me in the street they would maybe shout tragedy at me or <laughs> sing five six seven eight but they would never say oh I don't like that outfit it looks a bit you look a bit fat or something you just wouldn't do it would they they wouldn't and talking about tragedy I mean tragedy in five six seven eight that's right at the beginning of the steps catalogue of amazing mm. songs and performances over 25 years you said you felt you'd earned your place at you know the age of 40 and beyond for everything you've done how does it feel for steps to be 25 do you know what I actually can't quite believe that we're 25 it's it is a lifetime almost and it's you know there are people we did an interview with someone the other day that was born 25 years ago you know they weren't even born when steps were born so it's the fact that someone has grown up and is now an adult and their job is in the music industry when when we started I was the youngest so I was I was 19 at the audition so 20 when we released five six seven eight and it I don't know I don't feel like it's been 25 years I think obviously the older you get it you do have more time behind you 
But it's like, I always think about when I was at school, I don't, I know it happened and I know, and I know I went to school and I did all of that, but it seems like such a long time ago that it's in such the distant memory. And I don't know, steps, even though the start of it feels a bit like that, it doesn't feel like that expansive time has gone by at all. Will it be wonderful to celebrate that? I mean, obviously you have the Platinum Collection coming out in August, which you can pre-order now, but you also have some great events coming up and festivals. Will it be a huge celebration of 25 years I mean we always whenever we get on stage we love to have a massive party and I think that's what we want to bring to the audience is the kind of the joy of just letting your hair down leaving any baggage at the door and just having a really great time and I think for us it is a massive milestone and we want to celebrate it and and we've put together a set list that is relentless as our shows sometimes are anyway but it's and it's just there is not a moment for the audience to stop and go oh, I don't know that one it's completely you know it is like 25 years of flashing before everybody's eyes not just ours thank you for sharing that and your next I am is one I find hard to believe but you say I am organized chaos tell me about being organized chaos I think I always think that I'm, you know, like birds that are sw- swimming on the top of the water and they look so kind of like they've got it all together. Yeah, underneath they're going, oh. Their legs are going mad. Yeah. That's what, that's, I guess that's what I think organised chaos is. I kind of, in my head, things are kind of jumbled up and messy all the time. And I, I guess I am quite messy, but I know by the same token, I know where everything is at all times and I know where I want it to be. So that, I guess that's the organised part of it, but it is, you know, it's not actually organised. It's all a bit of a mess, but it's, I always seem to get there in the end, albeit last minute sometimes. I think I work better under a little bit of pressure. So you give me two months to finish something and I will guarantee you it will be done the night before it has to be done. And I've always been the same. I've kind of, I've been that way since I was a kid. So with all my exams and coursework and it was always done the night before it was never I've never been as organized to have something completed up front and I do I think I've got a bit of a I call it a butterfly mind I don't know whether that's a thing but I my head goes from this to this to this to this I find it very difficult to kind of stick on one thing at once and finish it and then move on to the next I kind of start 10 things at once and then something will get finished at some point (laughs) So you're a definite busy mind and kind of multitasker and start a bit of something, but also you have children, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. how how does that work for you? I mean, you have a partner and you have time when you're not on tour, but that must feel like two very different sides of your life. Have you have you separated them completely or do they weave into each other? Inevitably, they do weave in a little bit. But yeah, I do try and I do feel like I'm two very, very different characters. I'm, you know, Claire from Steps when I'm at work and I'm Mrs. Hill and mum when I'm at home. And I am mum now, which... I can't bear because my kids are getting to the age where they won't call me mummy or mama anymore. (laughs) I don't like it. So yeah, I am two very different people and I find it easier to to keep them separately because when I'm at home, I want to be mum and I want to be a wife. Um, But when I'm at work, I, I like to concentrate on the job and just that. So very rarely will I have the family there with me. Um, I used to quite a lot but I always found like I I couldn't give them the full attention they needed and I'd be constantly worrying about where they are who's looking after them have they eaten have they done this when I should be thinking about what I've got to do on stage Mm. and 
and vice versa really so when I go to work I go I do it I don't really my husband's not constantly ringing me you know if he needs to he will ring or text to find out where something is or what time they've got to be somewhere but generally I will call them when I'm done and and that's that it's just the way it works because it makes it easier for me to focus on that one thing when I'm there and focus on that when I'm here and it sounds like that's how you organize yourself is that that kind of separation between the two because I can imagine you really need to get yourself into a zone when you're at work and perhaps that's why in the rest of time you can start things and finish things because you have that allowance it's not that same kind of pressure yeah I think because there are obviously a times like today where I I am at home and we did a gig a couple of weeks ago but we've had a couple of weeks where we've not done any step stuff so I am in at home doing Claire from step stuff I suppose and I think and had to sign a load of album covers the other day and sometimes I feel guilty bringing that into the house I kind of I like to as soon as they go to school I'll sit down and I will do what I need to do work-wise but I do feel a sense of guilt I guess when I'm when I have I've got no choice but to bring my work persona into the home because it means again they're kind of getting ignored a little bit but I I guess we've all got at least I'm not going out every single day to work so that's my balance I suppose I'm I'm here when they leave and I'm here when they get home from school but sometimes it's kind of right I'm locking myself in this room for a couple of hours and I'll see you later and they've gotten used to it now they're fine but I do still feel a bit guilty about that sometimes. I can get that and I think it's something that a lot of people have that that guilt of trying to balance everything that's going on you know and especially as we move to different ways of working and being at home a bit more or trying to blend everything in the house. I know it's something that happyful readers talk about, especially in the lockdown, trying to parent and work and all those kind of things. It's wearing many hats, isn't it? And your next I am is, I hope, one that's lovely for you because you say I'm good at making things. Yes, I I am. I did. When I was at school, I did art, design and textiles as GCSE and A-levels. And it's something that I, I loved doing then. I can't draw to save my life or paint. I wish I could. But I can make things if I think in my head, right, I want to make, I don't know, say I wanted to make a lion's head or something. I I know that I could make that and it would look pretty good out of, I don't know, wool, paper, all kinds of crafting stuff. And it's something that as I've gotten a little bit older and as the kids have gotten older or as they were growing up, I think I discovered it more when they were, when I was throwing parties for them, I make everything. So it's yeah it's something I absolutely love and I really get a lot of pleasure out of you know making pom-poms basically. (laughs) You get immersed in things like that don't you because it's using your hands and it's you create something from nothing it's absolutely great and you you recently went on sewing bee as well. Yeah I did which was kind of terrifying in the fact that it you know you're meant to be making clothes which is not part of my ability I I guess even though I, I would like to but it did allow me to to bring out that kind of creativity a little bit with my showstopper, which and it was totally up my street, you know, make a make a fancy dress costume in the theme of food. So I totally went for it and I made an ice cream sundae out of lots of chewel and which enabled me to just kind of construct something, I suppose. And that's I guess I can I can see what I want to make before I've made it. So whereas some people would draw it or really plan it out I just it's in my head and I know what it what I want it to look like and I'm able to do that yeah and I do find it a bit of a I've got a friend that 
if ever I'm making pom-poms, he will joke that I'm kind of, it's therapeutic for me. If I'm a little bit stressed and then I say I'm making pom-poms, he knows that it calms me down. Well, it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it actually is, you know, on Happerful, we talk a lot about mental health and well-being and coping. And it's a big thing in terms of crafting. It's that, you know, it's mindfulness, it's slowing down, it's not being in front of a screen. And it's really on the right, you know, in lockdown, lots of people, it wasn't crafting, it was jigsaws, but, you know, other people were learning how to knit, they were learning how to crochet, all of those kind of things. And I wondered if it did that for you, whether it it just kind of levels you out and lets you and lets you just feel relaxed. Yeah, it does, because I think when I'm, when I sit and I put my mind to doing something like that, I completely switch off to everything else. And there are times when I am a little bit stressed, I will turn to that to just, as an excuse, I suppose, to get away from what is making me feel stressed or making me feel anxious. So I definitely, I've always got a bag of wool and pom-pom makers especially on tour I take and I you know just kind of sit and it's it's quite mindless in a way I mean it doesn't require any kind of skill at all and quite a lot of the stuff that I make doesn't apart from I'm very very particular about making things look neat and tidy and nothing will ever look messy but I'm generally blagging it and so I (laughs) which I feel pretty much about my whole career most of the time but yeah it definitely does give me that opportunity just to sit and forget about everything and then I feel really great afterwards when I've made something that looks lovely but then it will get shoved in the loft and unless I've made it for somebody (laughs) it just gets shoved upstairs I go oh that's nice I'll make another one of those one day and I'll give it to someone and I don't and I think of something else to make I mean it's it is definitely that sense of achievement I think sometimes going back to what you did when you were younger so we had Laura Brand on here who was talking about her book The Joy Journal for grown-ups you know and she does loads of things like making wreaths and all various things and it's kind of the activities that sometimes we give away or we stop ourselves doing when we're we get older because we feel like we should be productive all the time instead of actually doing something that we want to and adults should be allowed that time to play I guess I guess it goes back to that guilt thing in a way it's we've always got so much to do all the time that actually sitting down I think when you're making something for somebody you've got an actual reason and an excuse to do it so the guilt is taken away to a certain degree but to actually just sit and make something because you think oh that'll be nice I'll do that it 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 doesn't always have to be for something in particular. I guess that's what lockdown really brought out of everybody again. It's like, I love doing a jigsaw. The last time I did a jigsaw before lockdown, I can't even remember because there is no way that I would have been comfortable enough to sit down and just do a jigsaw for the sake of it. It's It was only when we had absolutely nothing else to do and and nobody to answer to in a way that we, we did those things. And it, it completely took the guilt out of those kind of activities that we did enjoy when we were younger and and it it was okay to just sit and do that for an afternoon or for four days (laughs) (laughs) just eke it out for a little bit longer so we've got to your I have and this is one that I think a lot of people will really prick their ears up at because it's a tough one and I don't know I don't know how we get around it. So I'd love to hear your experience of this and how you manage it, which is I have an impossibly high standard I hold myself to. Tell us about that high standard and 
how you manage it on a day-to-day basis? I don't know if I do really. I kind of get through every single day, but especially with my career, it means I've got a massive, massive love-hate relationship with my career because I love what I do. But because of the expectations I have on myself all the time, it sometimes and quite often spoils the experience for me because I I put so much pressure on myself for it to sound perfect, for it to look perfect, for it to just for everything to be perfect, not even the best that it can be. But I think when you're a professional in a career where people expect that as well, there are things that I guess that I notice that other people just wouldn't. So, So I've started to try and give myself a break sometimes because I know that something when if I hear something especially when it comes to my singing that's really I suppose where I give myself the most anxiety I guess nine times out of ten nobody else would have heard it I've managed to kind of do it with dance routines a bit more now right back in the in the olden days I say if I messed up a dance routine in front of an audience I would have been devastated for weeks and I don't know if that's age or the fact that we've been doing it so long and we, I, you can make a bit more of a joke out of it. And I suppose it comes with even things like the crafting it's, or a situation. If I'm organising a party, it has to be perfect. Otherwise, it will be a disaster. It's, it's kind of that or that with me, I guess. And I suppose that's what I mean by that. It, and sometimes I probably hold other people to that high standard as well, which is exactly fair. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's one of the same, isn't it? You have high standards for yourself and then you hope that other people will adhere to those and there can be a level of disappointment when people don't. Have you been able to get any support with, you know, because that that sounds like it could be beating yourself up at certain times. It sounds like it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be. But but that's a tough thing to have that inner critic. Do you do anything to support yourself with it? I don't know if I do really I just kind of take each thing as it comes now I don't and I probably don't have those feelings until very close to it happening whereas before I would be nervous for a week before something but now I've managed I kind of and I don't know if that's better or worse actually because a prime example is about three years ago when I was doing my solo stuff I supported Celine Dion in Hyde Park so she was obviously the headline act and I had to go on and do a 45 minute set of my solo music to 65,000 people and I look back now and it was incredible and it was one of the best things I've ever done but for the 24 hours leading up to it I couldn't even speak to anybody because I was so nervous and if anybody came near me I either bit their head off or cried and if somebody had said to me you can go home it's all right you don't have to do it I probably would have done and it's never as bad as I think it's going to be ever and I always come off going oh my god that was okay a lot of the times I I always ask people the minute I've finished something was that all right was it okay and they go yeah it was great and I think are you and I question them it's like are you just saying that to make me feel better or was it actually all right so that time I most definitely ruined the kind of build up and the all the stuff that should have been exciting before I because I went so into myself worrying about how awful it was going to be. I suppose it's catastrophizing everything that I do. Just expect everything to be a disaster. And when it isn't, it's a relief. So the feeling afterwards is always okay, but the feeling before is always 
awful. I do think that's something a lot of people will relate to, especially around kind of big occasions or, you know, whether it's obviously with you, it's massive performances, but whether it's someone going for a job interview or presenting or, you know, doing something different in their community, that feeling of of kind of self-doubt before it and almost whipping yourself up into a bit of a frenzy, a bit of a state so that, that you have this massive ball of adrenaline and then afterwards it kind of dissipates and you feel quite yeah. like that's okay that's okay and maybe a bit even a bit tired and a bit okay I can deal with this now I think what it proves to me every time though is that I do I just want to do the best job that I can and I suppose that goes to trying my best again is that I always want whatever I do really to be as good as it can be mm. whether that be performing whether that be making a pom-pom whether that be baking a cake cooking dinner it's I always want everybody that is going to experience that to have the best experience they can I suppose and most of the time it's only really me that I'm disappointing not everybody else and I think I probably have to remember that a bit because no one else is expecting a Michelin starred meal every single night for dinner but I am sometimes that's what that's what I think that they're expecting so I that's what I put into it if that just to boil it down to you know something a bit smaller than 65,000 people in <laughs> well I think as I said I think a lot of people will be listening to that and going me too me too and that's that's something that's great about talking with you and other people on this podcast is that we feel we're not alone because we often have bits of ourself that that we know it is there to stay and mm-hmm. repeats time and time again and actually hearing that we're not the only person that goes through it is relieving it's true I definitely think being able to have the two personalities if you is helpful because I years ago I would come home and I would dwell on stuff and I suppose this is where as I've gotten older it's helped me is being able to close the front door on my house it it, I can forget a lot about stuff that's gone on or I can forget very quickly whereas before it would take me a long time to I would be inside my own head for for ages thinking oh god that was an absolute disaster and nobody else is thinking that no one else I, I guess I've, I've stopped doing that as much. And again, I think having kids as well, my priorities definitely have changed. I know my eldest is 15 now, so I've had a long time to get used to it. But I think before that, you really just focus on yourself way, way more than when you've got, you know, small humans to, to focus on. It does switch something, I guess. And it definitely did for me. I get that. And 15 as well. That's kind of, is that GCSEs next year or this year? It's next year. So he's in his first year of GCSEs. And so, and this is a whole new era of parent, parenting that I'm not used to. It's um, up until now, he's been my little boy, I suppose, but he's not anymore. He's taller than me and he's got a girlfriend and he wants to go to parties and you know, it's all a bit of a minefield. And I don't know, you know, I wasn't a wayward teenager. I was very, very square, very well behaved. If I ever did anything wrong, I got caught. So I never did it again. (laughs) So, and I'm not in, he's definitely along those lines, but I think he's, um, teenagers these days are different to how we were, I think. So I don't know, I have no, whereas you don't know what you'll do when you have babies, that's fine because you learn, but I feel like I should know what I'm doing now. And I (laughs) kind of don't again. (laughs) 
you'll learn in the same way that you've you know you've evolved and learned throughout your career and you know he's he's four years younger than you were when you started uh you know became part of the band well I, I was in a band when I was 18 I signed my first record deal when I was 18 so yeah I guess that's three years off what he is now which is I can't even he still feels like he's my little baby it's a very strange feeling of course he does. And, you know, we've talked about him becoming 15. We've talked about the band being 25. We're going to come to the final question of the podcast, which is actually one where we look into the future a little bit, or at least what we'd like to see in the future. So we always ask people at the end, if you could meet yourself, a 10 years older version of yourself and sit on a bench with her and just have a chat, what do you hope she would say to you about life in 10 years time? Do you know, I think one of the things I would like myself to say to myself is well done I think I I don't know I never thought I'd get here I don't think I'd be 25 years on in this career I think for me even starting this career it was something I wanted but I don't think I ever really thought it would happen because I you know I didn't come from a musical family I didn't go to stage school I didn't really train it was I fell into it and I've been very 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 lucky so to achieve what the band has achieved what even I have, I suppose, and in terms of what I've done on my own, I think I'd just say, well done. You made it. And I would hope by 55, I would be even more comfortable enjoying, hopefully still enjoying this, because these days, your 50s is not, I mean, look at Kylie, she's still going great guns so I would hope that I'd still be going going, going just having a really lovely rest on holiday all the time. I don't know. (laughs) But listen, you don't have to wait for 10 years because everything you've just said applies to you now. You know, you can you can feel that and say it to yourself now. But that also sounds like it would be a lovely conversation. And maybe you'll even be embarking on the 35 years tour. Who knows? Oh, God, I don't know about that. I suppose it's doable maybe a little bit maybe finally we can do less dancing. We've been asking for years. Can we please just do less? (laughs) Maybe we'll get those those Westlife stalls once and for all Claire thank you this has been absolutely lovely really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and again Steps Platinum Collection album is going to be out on the 19th of August Claire if you could just let us know where people can find you online you can find me on Instagram and sometimes on Twitter and there's stepsofficial.co.uk you can download pre-order the new album and all our summer dates will be on there too brilliant Claire thank you I really appreciate it thank you Thank you for listening to today's podcast and I really recommend that you check out our YouTube channel and haberfall.com forward slash I am I have. If you're looking for information about counselling you can head over to counsellingdirectory.org.uk or download the free Haberfall app to search the best route for you. And if you need immediate support, you can contact the Samaritans 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116123 or email joe at org. Help is available. This podcast has been produced and hosted by me, Lucy Donoghue for Happiful. I hope you'll listen again soon.